Okay, rapid review for the week to the 9th of June. Well, I checked in on 93 data releases and found 13 surprises, but 21 shocks. So you'd call that a solidly negative week. Europe was hit particularly hard, Asia only mildly so, and the US managed to be neutral. The most extraordinary release, I think, was little commented on, and that was the US's first quarter flow of fund accounts. I looked at what they had to say about household finances and was reminded of just how well protected this sector is against monetary tightening. At the broadest count, US households have net, that's net financial assets equivalent to about three and a half times GDP. Looking at it narrowly, they've also got a net positive position with banks and credit markets, amounting to about 940 billion. Given banking spreads, that net positive position probably doesn't make them net beneficiaries of rising interest rates, but in aggregate, they can't be suffering too much pain from them. It's another strand in the explanation of why the US is shrugging off the Fed's action. The other thing to notice is that now that bond yields are going up, households are quite happy to swap out of bank deposits and into money market funds and bonds. They pulled 415 billion in bank deposits in the first quarter, but bought 300 billion in money market funds and a further 893 billion in debt securities. My guess is that all the worries about US government bond issuance in the coming six months will come to very little when there's so much of this asset swapping going on. My conclusion? Well, US households can certainly survive higher interest rates with ease, but can the rest of the world? Over in Europe, on Thursday, Eurostat showed us its GDP revisions for the fourth quarter and the first quarter, and both were cut to minus 0.1% Q on Q. That's right, on that basis, you'd say the Eurozone was in recession. It wasn't all bad news. My return on capital directional indicator is still rising, and so is Eurozone's capital stock growth. And so that provides a degree of economic insulation, or perhaps it means we haven't really hit recession genuinely yet. But on the other hand, with employment still rising and capital stock still rising, while output is falling, there is a renewed and sharp collapse in real output per worker deflated by capital stock per worker. That will put pressure on Eurozone employment for the foreseeable future in ways that are not yet obviously coming through in the numbers. And then there's relationship with money. As money aggregates slow and fall, there's an offsetting modest rise in monetary velocity, suggesting an overall improvement in marginal financial efficiency. And this is accompanied by a fall in liquidity preference, i.e. the tendency to keep cash handy for buying goods, services or investment. So here again, we can con expect continued pressure on consumption. So my conclusion is that although the Eurozone's recession is here, it's only just here, and we should expect it to deepen as employment and consumption both get put under more pressure. There was other stuff going on. Uh, I had a look at China's May trade data, highlighting the, uh, the more than doubling of border trade, which I assume is otherwise unclassified trade with Russia. And I keep tracking disinflationary signals, this time in Asia, and faltering industrial and demand data, this time in Europe. Right, that's it for today. Um, on to next week. Good luck, everyone.